Hello everyone and welcome to Red Chat. My name is Naman Jorgansen and I'm joined by fellow host Joe McNamara. Hi everyone. So we're at UKIO conference and we've got a physicist here to talk to you. Um, would you like to introduce yourself please? Yeah, I'm Miriam. I am a radio therapy physicist and um, I'm talking about the huge gender data gap and um, the worst outcomes for the female population, which is of course half of the world. So have you come specifically to UKIO to kind of present? Uh, yes, I had an e-poster on gender-specific brain therapy, looking at the different radio sensitivities between male and female. And um, I was just astonished that this has never been talked about, hasn't been taught. And I was when I um, first came across it, I, I just had to walk around. You have walk around. <laughs> yes. Um, are, I, you, are you a feminist? Would you call yourself a feminist? No, I was just um, very taken aback by um, the huge um, deficit of um, medical information on female yeah. that it um, it's like doesn't exist, um, largely because women haven't been studied. Right. And um, then when I looked at this, I found more and more and um, I saw that even today in clinical trials it's still going on and um, and also with radiation doses like it hasn't been taught that female are more radiosensitive and they have worse outcomes. So are females more radiosensitive? Yes and we ha um, there is data from the um, the A-bomb survivors of 1945 and from Chernobyl 1986 and we have data from that um, there was a 2006 2007 study you know from like the the information came from that that women had more effects um, often twice the toxicity and that this you know went across the whole age spectrum this is like from you know from from children to adulthood, old age, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a cross, and I'm just surprised how that was never said or inputted into dosages, um, and then when I looked at dosages, I saw that it's, it's like what we use currently is over 70 years old, um, in terms of the, the current prescribing. It's a one-size-fits-all, so it assumes um, uniform radio sensitivity, and, um, and, and, was, and was that homogeneous biology? And so, when they obviously desi designed dose fractionation regimes, yeah. is that always based on males? Like, where has that data come from specifically? Um, the data for radiation um, came from the 1920s and 30s, it was done on rabbits and rams and they saw that um, when they gave uh, radiation to a ram that if they fractionated that that the ram um, would avoid the, the skin burn um, so that's why that's why fractionation came into being um, and then in the 50s and 60s um, radiation was um, um, then yeah, this it was it was just that it, it, it continued in that um, 
it was yeah, it's a one size fits all. So yeah. it applied to to make to men and women. Um, and yeah, it's just that the assumptions of everyone uh, has uniform rate of sensitivity, and the biobiology is homogeneous. So like even today, when you plan treatments, you you you. There, um, it's made sure that there's a uniform um, um, di distribution of the dose, but when in fact we know that the tumor is heterogeneous, and this again is evolving all the time. Um, I'm still yeah. a bit baffled, so yeah, everything seems to be potentially based on male anatomy or physiology. Yeah. I mean, even crash, like car crash dummies, everything in airbags, it's all based on men as the crash dummies so the same weight build there's a book I'm reading I keep talking about this on podcast but Invisible Women it's exactly this I saw that, that yeah. it's a great book but I just like I'm only 30% through but every time I read some of the stats it's just mind-blowing like in an office the air temperature is based on men so physiologically women will be colder but they'll have blankets in the office but it, it just adds to this that actually the, the gender gap is not just about money it's yeah. actually such a big gap on just normal lifestyle yeah, physiological differences yeah yeah because the DNA is different and also the hormones so this 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 has a huge factor um, and we see it across with drugs that women as a whole have doubled the toxicity and in 2001 eight out of ten drugs were taken off the market because they were too toxic for women and the thing is with these drugs um, as yeah, you um, Huge money is gone into them in the preclinical. It's all done on male mice, and then you have um, you have it's all it's tested on males, and then and then afterward, when all the regulation is done and sport to market, then it's put out on women, and oh, women are affected, and that comes after after all that huge injection of money. You've literally blown my mind. <laughs> Like, I know this is what Rad Chat is about, especially at conferences where we get anyone coming in the podcast. But seriously, so this, in terms of kind of the impact that research like this could potentially have, is is around the genomics, isn't it? Of how potentially we could personalise dose and fractionations, but specifically to that person and that physiology. Is is that kind of what you anticipate to happen in the future? Yeah, and this is because, um, like, if our current models are over 70 years old, yeah, they seriously need to be updated. Um, and to incorporate that, that the, the tumor is uh, heterogeneous and also the rate of sensitivity factors. So, yeah, and definitely incorporating all the, geno the genomic data. Um, and, um, yeah, that's, that's how rate therapy is going to be. Um, it's not going to be that one-size-fits-all approach. Um, yeah. Do you think that's where AI is going to come in? Yeah, that will definitely help because with the data mining, um, there's like programs like spot the differences, so that will definitely speed things up. But what if the AI is biased in the first place? Exactly. <laughs> because it is. But it, but it is. We know it is. Yeah, it's built by yeah. white middle class people, yeah. mainly men. The tech world, again, Invisible Women talks about it. You don't get women in tech. Yeah. But you should do, because actually for a gender, like, yeah, it, that's how things will improve. But AI might be biased as well. Exactly. There is an unconscious bias there. They, in the awareness, you know, the awareness, people are not 
you know, it's still existing in terms of, you know, the weightless. Um, um, so yeah, it is a huge factor. Um, and I think the biggest thing, the root of all the, the data we have, the guidelines, is from clinical trials. Right now, and um, the trials have unequal and insufficient sample sizes of female sex. And not just that, when the trials are, they are often pooled or the gender differential is removed um, from the data. Now this is largely due to funding. And what that does, when you remove the, when you pool the results or remove the gender, that, that leads to male-biased or genderless studies. So all the information, any information on females is lost. So when women, or any female, young, old, asks questions to go to A&E, the data isn't there. Females are being studied, like with the heart attacks. The number one killer of women is heart attacks. And when they go to A&E and they, have, um, they present with symptoms, they have different heart attack symptoms than men. Um, it's more kind of feeling unwell or nausea, while women, men have the classical kind of stab, you know, in the heart pain. But doctors are trained on the male symptoms. You are, honestly, you're literally, I'm here absolutely gobsmacked. I, mean, I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I wish also with um, breast cancer survivors, they were told, you know, they, they were told, like, the number one killer of women is heart attacks. You know, it, it should be yeah. out there. Yeah. And then that... The, the double whammy is that when they have symptoms, doctor don't rec doctors haven't been trained to recognize female contacts. So their outcomes, as you can imagine, are much worse. Um, yeah, it, it is shocking. It is. Um, what got you interested in this? As a physicist, I wouldn't necessarily have thought this was something that, that you see in your day-to-day -day job, that you think, oh, let me just have a look at some research. Um, it was when I read this book, it was about dementia, and women have twice um, the amount of dementia than men, and I was really surprised by this, and then also when there was a piece in the book which mentioned about clinical trials, and how they pool the data, or remove the gender differentials, and because of that, we don't have information on the female population. And then the guidelines that are done are based on the outcomes from these clinical trials, and that's what doctors use. So when um, so these guidelines are less accurate, and I just found them astounding because in physics everything you know is percentages and oh we'll measure to this, and then you have like this like like fifty percent error in your data. Um, you know, in terms of you have the, the information gone, and which could be significant. And this is feeds true, you know, in terms of the guidelines and the dosages. And and then, right now, you haven't read the therapy. The delivery is physically accurate, but the biology is imprecise. So we have personal personalization in terms of um, the dose shape, you know, and, and shaping around the tumor. But we don't have in terms of um, uh, yeah we don't have it in terms of like um, the the data from 
um, in terms of dosages. Because another thing is um, the guidelines are based on population group data. So then we have that affects the BMI and that affects effective dose. So if that isn't correct, that's you know your your dosages are, are not as are inaccurate. Um, and then you have your sex average open tissue weighting factors. So how are you going to guide doses if you don't have you know the male female um, information? Um, so that's why I was like, um, so yeah, that's why the guidelines need needs to be changed. Like for the era of yeah. personalized medicine, the guidelines need to be based on sex, age, hormonal status, and race. And then we need sex stratified organ tissue weighting factors because that will become the dosing and the guidelines. You know? um, Just a small ask then. Yeah. I feel like it's quite a big thing and obviously you're talking about it here at UKIO but yeah, mind blown. Sounds like we have a lot to do. Yeah, and I'm just surprised because huge work went to clinical trials, yeah. huge money, yeah. huge funding. Yeah. Um, but it goes into clinical trials, it doesn't go into the diversity within clinical trials. Yeah, yeah. So this where where there is like um, the solution is with the trials that those results need to be stratified by sex and hormonal environment. So again, you know, the whole thing with uh, gender as well. So it, it goes according to your DNA and your hormonal status because that affects and um, then with the trials having equal large sample sizes of each sex. Um, there was one shocking thing, I remember one... Um, <laughs> one more shocking thing! <laughs> one lady researcher um, in American University in 1976 was um, doing some preclinical studies on mice and she gave the same um, sleeping dose to... She, she, she got some female mice and male mice and the standard um, dose to put them to sleep, which was normally fine for male mice, killed the female mice. And then to this day, she's, she just, yeah, that just put her on the track of like, how, yeah. how come things were like this. Um, and you saw it in that book as well in 2012 with the Ambien and the drug, and the FDA had to half the dose for women because of the heart crashes. The insurance companies were saying, um, why are women having more car crashes and, you know, they have more um, claims. So obviously, yeah, then they want to look into. So the FDA had to half the dose because the drug Ambien has, um, is metabolized much slower in women. Like with alcohol, you see, yeah. that's why you give different dosages, you see it. So it works the same in drugs and also radiation. Women just have, yeah, so if you apply what's standard, what's precise for men, because at the moment it's it's personalized for men, it's less accurate for women, and yeah. then the outcomes are, are worse, often double. Um, so I'm just really surprised, and not just that, I'm just really saddened when women go to doctors and they come in with more... Um, severe side effects yeah. and they'll yeah. be dismissed or it's in their imagination yeah. or they'll be misdiagnosed or mismanaged and I think that is really heartbreaking. As someone who went through five years to get endometriosis diagnosed, yeah. routine appointments and I actually had a doctor saying I really don't think the pain is that is that bad yeah. and and 
for a clinician to say that to someone when I am crying in pain, yeah. um, you know, not being listened to, and they're not willing to refer for the diagnostic test, I can absolutely emphasise with the fact that that does happen in practice, unfortunately. Yeah, it goes back to the to the medical school yeah, and the training, training and um, that the syllabus is 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 a male uh, it's a male syllabus. It's and there is no um, study of sex yeah. differences in medicine, um, and that's why when you go to a doctor, they don't have the information and they don't have evidence. They don't yeah. have yeah. Um, they don't have data. Yeah. There's no yeah. data on women, and I am. And yeah, I just like like when I saw that in that book I read, yeah. I was just like, oh well, what about radiation? Does that look like radiation? Amazing. Then I googled your inquisitive <laughs> mind is amazing. Then I, I love googled it. Googled radiation, and yes, it was all there from um, the atomic bombs of Japan. And another thing I came across in, in the, the 2011 in Fukushima, Japan, there was a tsunami which led to a nuclear disaster in the power plant. And this is 2011, and and um, people in Japan wanted data, um, uh, individual to them, like they were uh, in terms of what was the risk of yeah. their exposure to this um, nuclear incident. Yeah. And what they had was population-based data. And they, so, say if a 20-year-old female says. Okay, I was exposed in 2011, um, and the population um, data gives me a 20 millisievert estimate based. Okay, when in fact, if they accounted for her age and her sex, she would be possibly liable to be in 100 millisievert in terms of exposure because two gray doesn't mean two yeah, gray for all, yeah. it can be over or under. Um, so, um, you know, it just means if there was personalized uh, uh, dose index yeah. um, or a long-term index, then um, it could be that, um, you know, she could go like to the rest of her life in a balanced fashion and, and go for tests and be aware. Like, yeah. this is the key thing that came out from the patient data. Just awareness of being told, you know, just to have the data um, there because I know not everyone would have all the data, but for someone to join all the dots yeah. and put the data, data together, like in an, an app, like an evidence based app, so that all the information from the sources is joined up because we're still in the field of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is isolated, you know, things are isolated from each other. So I think, you know, with the technology, everything should be much more joined and much more holistic approach. So, yeah, so with Japan, if you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's yeah, going to change. Yeah, um, it has to go from population-based to individual. So you're giving a talk at IPF, yeah. is it? Yeah. Is that today or tomorrow? Yeah. So tomorrow. So if you're listening to this podcast episode, then definitely please uh, check out the IPEM stand because like you, you'll probably be blown away by some of this data. And have you got a poster as well that's on display? Yes. So perfect. We'll, we'll share a link to the poster as well. But thank you so much for coming on our chat. Okay, thank, thank you. you so much.